0: to enter into the teaching today. If you would open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 13, Acts chapter 13, 1, 2, and 3. Acts chapter 13, 1, 2, and 3. And we want to talk uh, today on the theme, a praying church. A praying church. I'd like to open up um, this Sunday, which is a theme on, on prayer, and I want to talk about a praying church Acts chapter 13, verses 1, 2, and 3. A praying church. Acts chapter 13, verses 1, 2, and 3. Now in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. Barnabas, Simon, called Niger. Lucius of Creon. Mananin, who had been brought up with Herod, the Tetrach, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word As I've studied this word throughout this week and prepared, Lord, I have left my quiet time of studying encouraged, knowing, Lord God, that you are calling us to be a praying church, and a praying church is an effective church. A praying church is a church with direction. A praying church is a powerful church, Lord. So I pray, Lord God, that today you would speak to our hearts and encourage us, enlighten a fire where there is none lit, Lord, that we would commit, Lord, to the next level of spiritual disciplines. We pray in Jesus' name. And the church says, you may be seated. Sorry. Our theme for the year is a, a, uh, a year of prayer. Our our goal with this theme is to continue to cultivate a spirit of prayer in our church, a spirit of prayer in our families, and a spirit of prayer in our individual lives. Uh, Prayer is an important part of the Christian walk. It goes hand-in-hand with with repentance. It goes hand-in-hand with obedience. You know, it goes hand-in-hand with our Christian faith. In fact, St. Augustine said, Pray as though everything depended on God, reminding us the urgency of prayer. The Apostle Paul in Thessalonians, he writes and tells us, Pray without ceasing, knowing that there is an urgency in the life of the Christian to be consistent in their prayer time. Prayer is important because it aligns our will with God's will. Jesus, even in his moment of of suffering in Gethsemane, a, a time of prayer for Jesus, Jesus prays and says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. It was a prayer of submission to the will of the Father. And Jesus said, if there's another way, God, do it another way. Father, if there's another way, do it another way. If there is no other way, then I submit myself to your will, Father. It's a lesson for us on how we should pray even in hard times because sometimes we're asking the Lord to deliver us from the hard times. But I wonder if God is looking for a prayer that says, If there is a way to deliver us, deliver us. If you're going to be glorified through this tribulation, then give me the strength to persevere in these times as well. That is a prayer of submission that says, Not my will, God, but your will. Jesus is always teaching us about submission to the will of the Father. And that happens through prayer. In fact, when Jesus was teaching the disciples how to pray, uh, part of that teaching was, say this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus was telling his disciples, uh, if you want to learn how to pray, one of the components of prayer must be submission. Lord, that your will would be done on earth, that your will would be done in our lives, in our families like your will is done in heaven, that it would be done in our lives as well. It's a prayer of submission. It's a reminder that God hears us and he's doing something in us. And it happens through prayer. A pastor by the name of William McGill, he says this, the value of persistent prayer is not that God will hear us, but that we will finally hear God. A persistent prayer is not about God, do you hear me? It's about, do we hear God? Because as we hear God, it places us in a place of submission to his will, to his way, to what he wants to do in our lives. It's how we align our will with God's will when we hear God when we know what He wants of us, I know that the church culture has taught us that we pray to God so that He could hear us, right? We pray to God so that He could hear us. We pray and we ask requests from the Lord. And we, we ask God to help us. And we ask for strength. And we give praise. And, and those are important components of prayer. But that we would also remember that prayer has everything to do with us hearing God as well sometimes um, the, the the Christian culture uh, even in realms like Catholicism it, it's a routine of of verbal words and we go through beads and reminding of different prayers. It's almost a sense of responsibility. It's almost a response. I said what what God needs, uh, what God needs me to say, what God needs to hear from me. I've said the prayer of repentance. I said the prayer of blessings. I said the prayer of protection. I said the prayer of this and we're constantly just being responsible and the culture of the church at times has to do with what we say and God hearing us. But today I want to, I want to share with you, uh, I want to put at the table that we would approach God with this sense that God does speak and in our prayer time we're supposed to tune our ears to what he wants to tell us. I want to encourage you today to be a part of a praying church. I want to encourage you today that your family would be a praying family. I want to encourage you today that this year in 2023 you would write down some disciplines and you would set some goals for your life that will change your Christian walk and it will start with you hearing from God and that comes through prayer. When the church does this as a whole, Things begin to happen. So looking at the book of Acts and just seeing the different stories, right? What happened when the church prayed in the book of Acts in chapter 4? It was a time of persecution and the church gathered together to pray. When they were selecting the deacons in Acts chapter 6, before the selection of the deacons, the church got together and they prayed. When Peter was in prison and he was about to be persecuted, the Bible says, But the church was earnestly praying to God for him. When it was time to release missionaries into the work of God, Acts chapter 13, the verses that we read, there the church prayed, God spoke, and they sent these missionaries. In the upper room, uh, Acts chapter 1 and 2, the disciples were waiting on the promise that Jesus had promised them. They didn't know what that promise would look like. They maybe were assuming the way Jesus ascended, the promise would descend. They didn't know, but they they learned something about Jesus that in his waiting time he prayed. So they went to the upper room, about 120 of them, the church, they gathered and they prayed. And there they experienced the promise of God. The Bible teaches us that something happens when the church gathers to pray. The New Testament left a model for us of what a praying church looks like and the effects of a praying church. Today I want to share with you three observations from Acts chapter 13 that I believe that we can draw from and learn what are uh, the blessings of a praying church. Three points I'd like to share with you. The first one is a praying church is an effective church. Acts chapter 13. God said, uh, God um, sets aside Paul and Barnabas, and sends them out. It's an effective church. Uh, Through prayer, uh, there was a leading of the Holy Spirit, and they had effective ministry. When you follow the missionary, the, the four missionary trips of the Apostle Paul, you see effective ministry. There was a need to reach the Gentiles, and the disciples were working on uh, spreading the gospel to all, to all the Hebrew people. But Paul was sent to the Gentiles and God sets aside Barnabas and Paul. Why? Effective ministry was needed. And that's only found when a church prayed. And they were praying, they found the need and the Holy Spirit speaks and sets aside Paul and Barnabas for the work that the Lord had before them. It's during this time of prayer and fasting and worship that the Lord responds to the needs that are there. If we as a church want to be effective, if we want to be able to hear from the Lord, it's not filling our calendar. It's not putting good events in the calendar. It's not being simply strategic in evangelism. It is to take out time and hear from the Lord and being effective in what God wants to do in us. The church of today is called to be an effective church and only prayer aligns our will with God's will. Only prayer aligns our will with the will of the Father. A pastor by the name of Tori said this, we are too busy to pray and so we are too busy to have power. He says we have a great deal of activity but we accomplish little. Talking about the lack of prayer at times in the church. He says, we have a great deal of activity, but we accomplish little. Many services, but few conversions. Much machinery, but few results. And he's saying, this is what happens when the church is not a praying church. They lack effectiveness. What does a a church, an effective church, look like? Well, one, it, it reaches the lost effectively. It doesn't just throw out a net and and, and cast the net and, and see it empty. But a church that is praying and hearing the will of the Lord, the Lord gives them the right strategy, and when they cast the net, the net comes back full. Because the Lord, the Lord has spoken. Right? Uh, It is important. uh, An uh, an effective church reaches the lost, has a strong mission's uh, heart. Not just a mission's budget, but a mission's heart. It it, it embraces the great commission to go out and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. There's an effectiveness in the way that they do ministry. Why? Because they have heard from the Lord as a church. Uh, An effective church is a church that focuses on biblical discipleship, that understands that God is bringing growth and changing people's lives and drawing us closer and closer and closer to the will of the Father. It's called biblical discipleship, not just good programs. The Bible tells us to make nations, to make disciples of all nations. And then he says, well, how do you do that? By baptizing them and teaching them to obey If we want to be effective as a church, we need to hear from the Lord. A praying church hears from the Lord. A praying church does what? Effectively lifts up the name of Jesus. It's not about a name of a church. It's not about a name of an organization. It's not about a name of a pastor. No, no. It lifts up the name of Jesus. That is the result of an effective church. And when the church is praying and hearing from the Lord, the focus is Jesus. I was hearing a pastor preach the other day. And the pastor was preaching, the pastor was preaching so much about the church, their church. And so much about their ministry. And I'm listening and my heart is broken. And the, the pastor was even saying things like this. This is a good church. This is a good church. You know how many churches you passed to get here? And you passed all those churches to get here. Why? Because this is a good church. And I'm thinking, you have a platform to preach the gospel, to disciple and encourage. And that's what you want to say? And then you want to undermine every other church that was in your neighborhood as well. That's not lifting up the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is lifted up in the church and he draws all people unto him. And our job is not to preach a church or not to have the face of of certain leaders. No, our job is to lift up the name of Jesus. This is an effective ministry church that does this in prayer as a church we become sensitive to these things why because God speaks and when he speaks it brings order it brings effectiveness calendars are anointed with the will of God and the presence of God and, and ministries are anointed why because the Lord has led us it's 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 what God does he leads his people to advance his kingdom forward. And only a praying church can understand this. A praying church keeps focused on what God wants to do. On who he's sending. On what agendas he wants to set aside. He makes the church effective. He makes the church. The move of the Holy Spirit makes the church effective. And it's only a praying church that can discern that. To be an effective church we need to be a praying church and at the end of this sermon I'm going to bring some applicational points on how we could apply them to our lives and really align our will with this but I want to take a moment and I want you to personalize this and I want to ask you how are you in your personal discipleship with Jesus do you have a passion for the lost right Are, are, are you in a biblical discipleship process Are you lifting up the name of Jesus in your life and in your family? Right? is, Is there an effective working of the Holy Spirit in your home, in your life, in your matrimony? If you're struggling with it, I would dare say you're probably lacking hearing from God. Because when God speaks to our hearts, speaks to our lives, He brings effectiveness. He brings order to the church to our lives, and to our family. And the church says, So today we're talking about a praying church. A praying church is an effective church. Number two, a praying church has direction. A praying church has direction. Uh, The church in Acts chapter 13 sends out Paul and Barnabas. Verse two, while they were worshiping, the Lord while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit says, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I have called them. I, I love this. The Lord speaks to the praying church. He speaks to the hearts of the leaders. He confirms it within the assembly. And the church as a whole Responds. See, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a. Uh, um, Spurgeon said this. True prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual tran- transaction with the Creator of heaven and earth. In other words, he's saying prayer, something happens in prayer. There's a transaction in prayer. We speak, and God speaks, and God speaks and brings clear. Direction to what to do next. Clear direction. We see this in the scriptures. You remember the story in Exodus chapter 17? Moses and the Israelites entered into battle with the Amalites. They were in the desert and the Amalites, they were um, descendants of Esau and, and they hated the Israelites and they see that the Israelites are there and they're thinking, this is our time for vengeance, and we're going to take them out. And they attack the Israelites. And what does Moses do? Moses tells Joshua, gather our men and meet them uh, in the desert. And, and he takes Aaron and Ur to the mountaintop. Let me read it for you, Exodus chapter 17. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Ur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses' hands held up, as, as long as Moses' hands Held up, as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and sat. And he sat on it. Aaron and Ur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other side, so that his hands remained steadily to sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalite army with the sword. And when you read that story, and you look at what the scholars are saying there. Um, it was a submission. It was a prayer on behalf of Moses. His hands lifted up were a prayer to God. And, and he was praying. And he was saying, God, you know, be with us. God, direct us here. God, lead us here. The lifting of, of his hands were, were uh, regarded as a prayer time. And he was praying and he was saying, God, we need you. Give us direction here. And any time his hands came down, the Israelites lost. And when his hands were up, the Israelites were winning. Why? Because prayer gives us clear direction. Joshua was the same general. The, the, the Israelites men were the same men. The Amalek army was the same enemies. What made the difference? Made the difference that God was with them and God was leading them. And it was God's power that made the difference. I want to let you know as a church, right? It's the same leadership. It's the same people. What makes the difference? When the people have their hands up and we are praying and seeking God, God brings clear direction and He guarantees us a victory in our season. Why? Because we're praying and the Lord gives direction. He's teaching us as a church that if we want to win wars, if we want clear direction as to what is next, it comes through prayer. We have seen God leading us and blessing us in our church. I remember... As a kid, most of you know this, I grew up in this church. I was three years old with my heart, when my mom gave her heart to the Lord 49 years ago. So I I love the history of our church. It's very, very dear to me. And uh, you may not know this. Some of you who've been around for a while know this. Our church started off in South Ozone Park, Queens. We had a beautiful temple. Uh, It was much smaller than this uh, temple. But it was a temple in which I grew up in. As a kid, I did children's church there, I was a youth there, and we stood there. In fact, Becky and I got married there in 1995, and we moved out of that building in 1996. But when the church pastors and church officials were talking about selling that building, I didn't want it. This is this is the church building that I have come to love as a kid, as a youth. I was a youth leader there, and and I was always helping the pastor at some level, even in my early 20s. And and this was this was my church. This is what we have loved it. And when the church pastors and the officials were talking about about selling that and 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 buying a new property uh, somewhere in Queens, and and they they have found this property, and I actually came and saw it. I was like, ah, uh, this is not our church building. That's our church building. I I grew up in that church. I loved that building. But the church pastor and officials and leaders in church of that time, they were praying. And they were asking the Lord, Lord, lead us into the next thing that you have for us. Lead us. You see, God in his sovereignty knew that on January 8th, 2023, we would not fit in that old building anymore. And he led our church leaders and our church pastors uh, during that season and getting us ready for the next. If, if I've learned anything from our founding pastors, I saw that they were a people that encouraged the church to pray. Our pastor Del Valle, for 18 years he pastored us. He taught us the importance of prayer. I hope that Pastor Becky and I are following in their footsteps where we are reminding the church the urgency of prayer. Why? Because if Jesus is to tarry, but this is not our last stop. If Jesus is to tarry, the Lord wants to continue uh, to give us victory, and He wants to continue to help us in our time of battle, and He wants to continue to do new things with us. And how do we get the direction from the Lord? We get that through prayer. And the church says, Amen. "I want to encourage you today and remind you today that we we are a church." That needs to be a church of prayer. So we've talked about um, a praying church. We're a praying church. We have said that a praying church is effective. A praying church has direction. Number three, a praying church will see God's power. A praying church will see God's power. Um, When we follow the ministry of the Apostle Paul, uh, we see that from Acts chapter 13, the Lord sends him out. And he has four missionary trips. And the Lord uses him greatly in those four missionary trips where he planted many churches and he discipled many people. So I started looking into how many people he mentored. And the list was long and the names I could not pronounce. So I said, so let me get to some of the easier names and people that we're more familiar with, right? And I started looking at the amount of people that the Apostle Paul mentored. I'm going to mention some of them to you. And, uh, and he, mentioned, he mentored people like Timothy, we know and Titus, and Silas, and John, Mark, and Luke. Demas, he mentored, and Demas left him. How many of us sometimes you invest into people, and they don't always follow you, and that's okay. It doesn't change you. You stay the same because your job is called to mentor and lead. How many say amen? So he mentored Timothy, Titus, Silas, John, Mark, Luke, Demas, Onesimus, and there are women on that list, Damaris and Lydia. And there's a couple on that list, Priscilla and Aquila. And the list is long of, of people that God used, uh, of people that God used Paul to mentor and take them to the next level in their life. It's a powerful, powerful ministry. A praying church will see the power of God and God used those people and when you think into church history, you know, during the time of the Apostle Paul, um, uh, Christianity was illegal. There was persecution upon the church. Just a couple of hundred years later, Christianity becomes the legal religion of that area. You know what it always makes me think? Wow, that second generation of disciples, they must have been amazing the people that, 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 that Paul mentored and the people that Titus and Timothy mentored, they must have been amazing because they were so influential that just a couple of hundred years later, Christianity is legalized and it becomes the major religion of the area. I want to encourage you, a praying church is a powerful church. When the church prays, the Lord brings people together to do great things with them. You are here today. Because the Lord wants to do great things with you right here in ECC. A praying church sends out ministers and sends out missionaries and and, 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 uh, sends out pastors and and leaders. And and, uh, God does great things and powerful things among a church that is praying. When we read the New Testament and we see how the Apostle Paul, that God gave him a, a power for liberation and for healing and for miracles. Where did this come from? It came from the fact that the church had been praying and they heard God and they sent out Paul and Paul did great things under the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You see, a praying church will see the power of God. How many want to see the power of God for liberation, for transformation, for discipleship, for growth? We want to see, we want to see whole generations of family come to the feet of Jesus. A praying church will see that. We're praying for healing and miracles Not for our own benefit, but that we can lift the name of Jesus on high, and the unbeliever can believe, and and those who are struggling in their faith can truly say, God is doing and has done a great work. You know, there's a great story. A praying church will see the power of God. There's a great story in Acts chapter 12. Peter is imprisoned, arrested with the intention of being persecuted. Acts chapter 12, Peter's imprisoned, arrested with the intention of being persecuted. King Herod already had James put to death. And now he has Peter in his clutches. And now the the Jewish leaders have come together and they're going to show these new Christians that this is their future. And they have Peter incarcerated with the goal of persecuting him this next morning. And Acts chapter 12 verse 5 says, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. I love that. The church stood in the gap for him. They didn't go home to sleep and say, well, it is what it is. No, They gathered together and they prayed. And look what happens, verse 7. Verse 7, chapter 12, they're praying. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell, struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the uh, the, uh, the angel told him, uh, Peter followed him out of the prison but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. he thought he was seeing a vision. they passed the first guards they passed the second guards and they came to an iron gate leading to the city it opened for themselves it opened for them by itself and they went through it when they walked, the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would happen. Uh, When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, who called Mark, where many people had gathered and were praying. Peter knocked at the outer entrance. And a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be an angel. But Peter kept knocking, and then they opened the door and saw him. They were astonished. Peter motioned with his hands to them to be quiet and described how the Lord had brought him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers and sisters about this, he said, and then he left for another place. A praying church is a powerful church. We live in a time when the enemy has lanced a dark attack against the church. A dark attack against our families, against our children, against our youth. A dark attack against matrimony. A dark attack against all that is holy and all that is right and all that is moral. And a religious church will not be able to push back against the darkness of the enemy. A religious church will have no authority to be able to combat those dark and hard Times It's only a praying church that will see the deliverance. It's only a praying church that will see victory. It's only a praying church that will see the chains of the enemy broken in God's will. Delivering us in these times. As a church, we are called to be a praying church. Only a praying church will see the power of God. And the church says, As I close our teaching here today, because we're going to share the Holy Communion in just a few minutes, I want to encourage you this year, like never before, that we would be a praying church. Four things, or five, that I'm going to share with you briefly. Would you commit to making this your greatest year of prayer? Would you commit... I'm asking the Lord, give me a discipline of prayer like never before. It's not about time. You know, we grew up in church and we're like, you know, you need to, you need to pray for like an hour. Like an hour. Man, I, I have so many things running through my mind. I, 15 minutes and I'm like thinking about what's for dinner, you know? I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not about time. When your conversation with God is over, then your prayer comes to an end. Keep the components of prayer intact, of worship, of praise, of, 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 of request, of petition, uh, of, of recognizing who God is and who we are, of, of repentance. Keep the components intact. intact. And then that could be 10 minutes, that could be 12 minutes, that could be 15 minutes, that could be 20 minutes, that could be half an hour, whatever it is for you, but would, would you commit this year to separate some quiet time to hear from the Lord. Now I know that we all pray in the car. I know that and that's good. And not don't, don't don't stop that. And I know we pray when we're doing the dishes. Don't, don't 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 stop that. But the prayer closet allows us to hear from God. You understand? I mean, hey, you know you can, you can talk to me or, or Pastor George or any of our pastors when we're working on something and we're like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. But it's going to be hard to give you good, good advice back. But if you sit down in the office and we're here, we, we can kind of share something with you. It's the same thing with God. The prayer closet is essential to the Christian life. Would you commit this year of taking out five minutes, ten minutes, twelve minutes? We're not going to be legalistic here. And when your conversation is over. It's over. But if you want to hear from God, you need the prayer closet. And the church says, would you commit to that today? That's between you and God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Uh, I'm going to ask you to to commit in your heart to the Lord. Does your family need direction? Does your matrimony need direction? Stop asking God to change your husband. Stop asking God to change your wife. Ask God. To reveal to you what you need to change in your own life. And that comes through prayer. Would you make this your greatest year of prayer? Would you find one person that's not your spouse? One person that's not your spouse. And would you pray with them once a month? I would encourage you to have it to make it an Elohimer. Of course, men with men, women with women. Um, And and, and would you find somebody in the church? And would you say, hey, can can we pray once a month together? Maybe it could even be a a message. Hey, I just want you to know today um, today is my day. I'm praying for you. You're praying for me. Can we pray for each other? And then can you ask that person to hold you accountable to your prayer time? Can you ask me, are you praying can you ask me, are you praying? I have mentors in my life, when I sit and talk with them, one of the first questions they ask me is, Carlos, are you praying? Are you speaking to God? Are you faithful in this? Because this is essential, and the transparent answer, you know, they're not going to fire me if I said no, uh, they're just going to, uh, you know, let me know how the Lord wants to do something with you. Can you find one person and say, would you be my prayer partner? And you might end up having two people, because you're going to ask somebody, and somebody's going to ask you, and just a ten minute time, Call them. I have a few people. I'm sending them voice messages. Hey man, praying for you this month. Then I say a, a two minute prayer with a voice message and boom, I send it out to them. And I get some that I receive from others praying for you, boom, and they send it out to me. Would you commit to inviting somebody to help you be a part of a praying church? Number three, would you do your best to commit to praying with the church? So we have a few platforms that you can be a part of. One is every morning at 6.30 we have a prayer line. And it's beautiful. And we have some really amazing people that are leading that prayer line. And maybe you can't get on every day, but you want to get on once in a while. And they're on for about half an hour, 40 minutes, but maybe you could only get on for 15 minutes. But would you log on once in a while and pray with them if it works for you? And Not everything will work for everybody. But does that work for you? And that could be in your car, on your way to work, just kind of uh, tune in with some people from the church and praying. Tuesday nights is our prayer service. And I love that we have a really nice group praying on Tuesday nights. I'm believing God for more on Tuesday nights that we can gather and pray. And the first Sunday of every month, we're going to be praying right here in the sanctuary at 9 a.m. You can come praying and fasting Sundays at 9 a.m. Pastor Hector, Pastor Ruth, help us lead that prayer time. And you can gather here the first Sunday of the month and Help us to cultivate prayer as a church. And the last thing I want to encourage you, and I probably think that this may be, they're all important, but it's real important. Would you cultivate cultivate prayer in your home? Would Would you cultivate prayer, especially when your children are small? You know, we grew up with the family altar. El altar familiar. And, you know, my brother and I, We hated it. (laughs) You know, it was usually during TV time, and there was no DVRs back then, and you couldn't watch it on the app, but you know, it gave us a discipline, and my father wasn't saved back then, but my mom took my brother and I, and my first drum set was Can of Crackers. And we prayed and we sang. And by the grace of God, my brother and I today still serve the Lord. I want to encourage you. This is a year of prayer. If we just stamp it in the church flyer as a theme, then that's all it is. But if we embrace it, it will make us effective. It will give us direction and it will give us power. It will give us, it will make us effective. It will give us direction, and it will give us power. And the church says, Amen. would you rise with me? So I'm not going to do an altar call today, because I would hope that if I did an altar call, everybody would want to be a part of that. Because this year is a year of prayer. But I hope and pray that we would embrace this next level of prayer, because God wants to do something wonderful in you and in me. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, today is the day of salvation. He wants to do something special in your life. At the end of the service, I'm going to be here. If you want to, do a, if you want to say a prayer of faith for salvation, please approach me that I'd love to pray with you today. I'm going to ask that our leaders get ready as we get ready to celebrate the communion. And as we sing this next song, Please follow the direction of our ushers and they're going to lead you forward to, uh, to grab the communion and then you'll be able to grab the communion and go back to your chairs and we can share the communion together as a church this morning. As our worship team leads us and the ushers direct us, let us prepare for a time uh, of worship. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this sermon. We pray it blesses and encourages your life.